Hi, I'm Rain Barry, and from wherever you're listening to the Audio Wave Cafe podcast, I really do appreciate you joining me. Okay, I think that's enough for the chat. In this episode, my guest is lead guitarist of rugby-based indie rock band Sunroof. I also get to play an original song by the band titled Play Along. First, I bring you music news and views, and I shine a spotlight on This Is It, a Netflix documentary about Michael Jackson's preparations for his 50 shows at the O2 Arena in London, due to take place in July 2009. Uh, We should move on. Geezer Butler, bass player of Black Sabbath, has a new autobiography out titled Into the Void from Birth to Black Sabbath and Beyond. Because of his avid interest in horror and the cult, he had a prominent role in the formation of Black Sabbath's image and musical style. The band will always be remembered as the founders of heavy metal. In the book, he mentions his disillusionment of organised religion, saying, and I quote, At school, the nuns would tell us we were going to hell if we didn't behave. (laughs) Terrifying. Oh yeah, as an eight-year-old at Catholic school, I remember the fear of death and hell the teachers would instill in our young, impressionable minds. A 74 years old, Geezer Butler has now retired from touring. It's a good thing he's got a book out, which is also notching up good reviews on Amazon. Singer-songwriter Morrissey has accused his former record label, Capitol Records, of refusing to release his album, Bonfire of Teenagers. It seems that Capitol Records doesn't like Morris's social or political opinions. He says a creeping culture of censorship at Capitol meant his album will never be released. It also accuses the record label of hypocrisy, as it has no problem with Sam Smith's album releases. What's Morris's problem with Sam Smith? Just what is going on? We have Nigel Farage in the news because his political beliefs don't match the values of private bank coots based in London. My bank doesn't give a damn about my political beliefs. That's because I don't have any money. Anyhow, remember when Lady Gaga offered a reward of $500,000 for the safe return of two of her stolen dogs? Well, a woman implicated in the theft, who also was the one who returned the dogs, has filed a lawsuit stating, Lady Gaga has defrauded her by making a promise without intent. The lawsuit continues that the woman, Jennifer McBride, has gone through pain and suffering, mental anguish and loss of enjoyment of life as a result of not receiving the award. You just couldn't make it up, could you? She should start a GoFundMe page. I just might donate a dollar and help that poor woman get over her mental anguish. Finally, Harry Styles was recently hit by an object in the face while performing a show in Vienna. Adele has also told audiences to stop throwing things at her during her shows in Las Vegas. And Drake was recently hit by a phone at a show in Chicago. Pink too has had the ashes of somebody's mother thrown at her at a show. You know, excited fans used to throw flowers, fluffy toys and underwear. Hmm, maybe a curtain of chicken wire, like in the Blues Brothers film, should be installed at music venues. That'll stop those pesky fans from injuring artists they have paid good money to see. I reckon that's a great idea. And I know where some chicken wire going cheap. I should let Adele know. My guest on this episode is guitarist Archie of rugby-based band Sunroof. Thanks for joining me in my little studio. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Is it true that all band members are still at school? Yes, that is true. Um, Raz, Tilly and myself, we just finished our GCSEs a few weeks ago, and Josh and Pop here in year 10. 
How hard is it juggling school and being in a band? It is quite difficult. But now that I'm off school, it's a lot easier because I can practice a lot more. But when we were at school, it's hard to get the schoolwork and then practicing the songs and also writing songs, getting it all together. It's just a bit hard. Yeah, I figured that. Yeah. Who are the band members and what do they play? Josh and I play guitar. Raz is on bass. Tilly is on drums. And Poppy is the singer. When did the band perform their first gig? In May last year, we played at Rugby Bike Fest and then we got asked to play it again this year. Since then, we've played a couple of pub gigs, some open mic nights, and then we've got a few festivals coming up as well. So since last May, really haven't done much playing live? We've done a few, but because of school, it's been a bit harder. This summer's going to be a lot more, though, because we've got a lot more time to do stuff. Yeah, right. How are you all enjoying playing in front of an audience? It's fun. It's sometimes nervous especially when we've got asked to do it a few weeks before but then it always ends up being fun it's just fun to play in front of people and just play music to people when people are actually listening to you you've had your music played on radio stations and you've played at several gigs who promotes the band sort of a group effort raz and tilly created the social media campaign for our singles andy walker from be awesome music who's our guitar teacher he helped us get onto some radio stations like bbc northampton josh is looking at playlist listings on like spotify apple music so that more people can listen to it and then i'm starting to look at other radios and podcasts and the parents have helped as well like pushing our music out talking to people about it that sort of thing what style of music do you play some of it's indie and then sometimes it's rock and then sometimes it goes a little bit harder into some hard rock sort of creating more dynamics because it switches from some indie stuff but then it gets a bit heavier just to make it more interesting who are the band's influences? Um, it's a really eclectic mix, really. Some influences from people like Two Door Cinema Club, Arctic Monkeys, Blur, Kaiser Chiefs, that sort of thing. But then when we play other covers, we play things like Foo Fighters, Green Day. But then we've also got things like some of the Hives and then Radiohead, that sort of thing. So it's a really big mix of music. Do you envisage that uh, you'll be playing mostly original songs going forward? Yeah, hopefully we'll get some more out, some more written, and then we'll have a full set of originals. Who writes the songs? It's a groove effort, really. It's a bit different for each track. So for the first one, Play Along, I wrote the melody. For the second one, Tilly wrote the starting guitar piece. And then for the third one, me and Josh wrote guitar pieces that worked together, and then the rest of the band built on it. So sort of it's, it starts with the guitar part, and then the drums and the bass will build on it, and then eventually the vocals are added in. The vocals are done by Raz, the bassist. She has like a word bank on her phone, which she writes down. Like If she thinks of an idea during the day, she'll write like a word or a phrase down. And then when we've started writing a song's melody, she'll start to create a song, like lyrics from that. And then she'll introduce it and then we'll create a melody for the song as well. Can you tell me something about your songwriting process? So usually I'll just be messing around, maybe in my bedroom, and I'll come up with a chord and I'll go, that sounds interesting. So I might work on a different phrasing of that chord, what chords work together with it, and then I'll create sort of a melody from that, and I'll create a strumming pattern, which, I don't know, they just work with the songs. I have feel like different strumming patterns work with different melodies, and I can always find one that works. And then from that, I'll go to the scales. I usually go to the minor pentatonic in like the second or third position, and I'll come up with some sort of melody from that, or a riff, and I'll have it so that the chords highlight different notes or there's like an octave or a harmony to different notes so that it just sounds musically different and interesting and then i'll bring those two parts to the other guitarist josh and we'll work on them together and maybe because there's two heads thinking instead of one now he'll think of something different and we add that and it sounds more interesting and then we'll bring in the bassist raz she'll write her own part and then we'll work it together and see which different parts work 
and then we'll bring in the drummer and she'll create her melody to it. Maybe she she sometimes puts it into half time so it sounds more interesting halfway through. And then we'll bring in the lyrics through Raz and Raz will give them to Poppy and we'll create a melody from the lyrics through that. Where does the band record the music? We recorded our two singles at Otterhead Studios in Rugby. It's run by Ellis and Louis, who also helped. It's Ellis, Powell, Bevan and Louis Bailey. And then our guitar teacher, Andy Walker, was also there. He'd sort of, they all helped us go through it because we'd never really been in the studio before. So they all helped us figure out what we were doing. And then Ellis produced it in the end. And then we all, it was really good because we all got to put input into it. We all get to talk about it. And it wasn't like we just recorded the music and left. We recorded it and then we sat there and watched him edit it. And we talked about it and went, maybe we could put this in here. And then we ended up adding things to the songs while we were in the recording studio. Uh, did you enjoy the recording process? Yeah, it was really fun, actually. Um, it was just a whole day, just in a studio, just recording music and just learning about how it all works. It was just really fun in general. It was really good, yeah. How well was your debut single, Play Along, received? Um, it was really a good reception when we played it live in different places. Now that it's out on Spotify, people have actually listened to it before coming to our gigs. So we actually had people singing it while we were at gigs. We're almost at a thousand downloads in the first 48 hours. I'm not sure how much it is in total right now, but I know that today we hit 2,000 for our first original on Spotify. And we've got around 400 for our second at this moment, which came out today. So that's quite good. What ambitions do you have for the band? We definitely want it to be a success. We need to get our name and our music out there and build a fan base of people who will come to every gig and that sort of thing. In the short term, we need to write more originals and get more gig experience, whether that's festivals, open mic nights, music venues, and then just really stick at it. It won't happen if we just play now and again. We need to continue to play. So just hope that it does become a success. It's a perfect moment to wrap up this interview, Archie. Thanks for being my guest. It's been really enjoyable and I wish you great success with the band. All right, thank you for having me. Artists who are no longer with us, like David Bowie, Amy Winehouse and Bob Marley, are still written about and their music still played as younger fans also discover their music and their story. And that is also true of Michael Jackson. So I was very interested to check out this is it, a 2009 documentary out now on Netflix. The documentary deals mainly with rehearsals for Jackson's, at the time, upcoming 50-day residency at the O2 Arena in London, due to start in July 2009. The film shows the meticulous planning involved with Jackson the ever-perfectionist. I was also impressed with the musicians and dancers, as they worked through many of Jackson's hits, including They Don't Care About Us, Bad and Beat It. The London shows are being held as Jackson's big comeback since his previous history world tour 12 years earlier. The rehearsals at the Staples Centre in Los Angeles was produced by choreographer Kenny Ortega, with the rehearsals being filmed to check on the development of the show, and was later meant to go into Jackson's own private library. London shows were important to Jackson. His finances were in bad shape, and he desperately needed the money. He initially signed up to 10 shows at the O2 Arena, and with merchandising, it was estimated he was earned £50 million, or $80 million. It was okay with that, but not with a further 40 more shows added on to meet the incredible demand. With the O2 Arena dates fast approaching, Jackson was getting increasingly anxious and experiencing problems with sleeping. 
his doctor, Conrad Murray, prescribed a cocktail of drugs, which led to his death on June 25th, 2009, 13 days before his first show in London. The This Is It documentary cost $60 million to make, and eventually grossed more than $260 million, being shown at sold-out cinemas across the world. Although the film did have its critics in America, including some members of Jackson's family, accusing Columbia Pictures and AEG Live of cashing in on Jackson's death, although 90% of earnings from the documentary were signed over to Jackson's estate. In the end, I feel the documentary's only enhanced Michael Jackson's musical legacy. Coming up is a song released several months ago, written and recorded by Sunroof titled Play Along. by Sunroof and many thanks to Archie for being my guest. Coming up on the next episode is singer-songwriter Guy Sturgis. 
I also bring you music news and views, and I shine a spotlight on 90s classic album by David Gray, White Ladder. I think that's everything wrapped up on this episode. Uh, yeah, it is. I'm done. Till next time. <laughs>